0: Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Zachary Quinto on Nosferatu and his favorite comfort movie, Magnolia. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Another returning champion, Zachary Quinto, you know him, you love him, from Star Trek, from Nosferatu, from so many things. Came back on the podcast remotely. Yes, these are the times we're living in. But uh, thrilled nonetheless to catch up with Zach about the second season of Nosferatu, which is on AMC. But um, really happy mostly to talk to him about one of his favorite comfort movies. As you guys know, if you've been listening, we're celebrating the movies that bring us a little joy, make us feel a little bit safer and happier in this world, and people are interpreting that in every different possible way, and I delight in that. Zachary chose one of my favorite movies of all time. Not necessarily one I would think of as a comfort movie, but again, it's up to how you want to interpret this, guys. He chose... Paul Thomas Anderson's 1999 epic film, Magnolia. You guys, if you listen to this podcast, are probably familiar with this film. I'm sure you know the works of Paul Thomas Anderson, but to refresh, this is just his third film after Boogie Nights and Hard Eight. This is the giant ensemble uh, that featured Tom Cruise and Philip Seymour Hoffman and Julianne Moore and William H. Macy and John C. Riley and just like dozens of others all delivering stellar work. It's an Altman-esque intersecting storyline piece set in California, very much based, uh, at least in part from experiences that Paul Thomas Anderson, um, was going through at the time, dealing with the loss of his dad, um, and it's a intensely personal, melodramatic at times, but always, um, Just stellar filmmaking from top to bottom, stellar acting, the music, everything about this movie is is fantastic. You'll hear Zach and I go into depth about what we love about this movie. Uh, It is thankfully out there, of course, uh, available to rent or buy on Amazon Prime and iTunes. There's also an amazing documentary. Shout out to Max Minghella for reminding me that this exists. It's on YouTube. It's free. Just look up Magnolia Doc. It's a... Over, I think over an hour-long documentary about the making of the film, and if you like that sort of thing, the, the ins and outs of how a movie is made, this is kind of a very um, honest portrayal of that process about one of the best films ever made. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I delight in those kinds of things. Speaking of which, and this is a totally different kind of thing, but but in some ways very similar, there's a really good making of film doc that's on Disney Plus, of all things, and it's about Frozen 2. I was not a huge fan of Frozen 2. I had some major issues with it. I mean, it, 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 I don't know. That's a whole other conversation. But set that aside, this documentary, it's actually a documentary series called Into the Unknown, is uh, surprisingly i <laughs> honest look at um, how difficult and challenging any movie is to make, let alone a ginormous musical animated film um, from Disney. Uh, I highly recommend it. Like I said, I wasn't the biggest Frozen 2 fan, but this documentary as a fan of filmmaking and the process uh, was fantastic. Um, Other things to mention. Stir Crazy, my series on Comedy Central continues with a very special episode I'm so proud of. We had Will Ferrell on the show. The genius, the brilliant one of my comedy gods, Will Ferrell, uh, starring in Eurovision um, Song Contest, uh, The Story of Fire Saga, currently on Netflix. Uh, that is a fun uh, movie that really, um, if you want to just sort of like, I don't know, not, not turn your brain off, but kind of at least see something a little bit less heady than, say, A Magnolia, I highly recommend that film, and um, I highly recommend the con- the conversation and fun I had with Will Ferrell on Comedy Central's YouTube page. Uh, just uh, subscribe to Comedy Central look up Stir Crazy check out my social media Um, I've sent it out but it's a a really fun chat with Will where he he broke out some of his um, favorite artifacts from his films from Step Brothers from Anchorman from Talladega Nights Uh, really good stuff Um, I've been mentioning Teen Wolf the reunion that was long in the making is now up on YouTube I've heard so many nice comments from you guys thank you thank you thank you if you're a fan of Teen Wolf and you haven't checked it out yet go to MTV's YouTube page check it out um and hopefully we'll do more of those. I know I, I there was a tweet um and more than one tweet some people have been mentioning Josh you should host a reunion for the Hunger games guys, sold. I'm in. I want to do it. <laughs> um, it's not up to me, of course. It's up to everybody, including MTV and the players, etc. But um, I'd love nothing more. And in fact, like it, it actually kind of came up in my conversation when I caught up with Josh Hutcherson um, just a couple of months back. Um, and he seemed game. So who knows? I don't know. I don't know where Liam's at right now. I don't know where Jennifer's at right now. But um, it's something I'm definitely interested in. Um, and certainly if you guys want to keep tweeting that, reach tweeting that and sending it out there, that can only help. Certainly. it Get some eyeballs on it. Um, And certainly I'd want to raise some good money for a great charity if we bring all the principles back together. So who knows? Um... You know, the world out there is still crazy. It's still depressing at times. I want to encourage you guys, if you haven't registered, if you're in the States, if you're an American citizen like I am, please register to vote. Um, We have to turn this this system around in November. November 3rd is going to be a huge day in the history of this country, and uh, a lot's riding on it. And it's not just at the presidential level. It's all the races, the Senate races, the congressional races. We have to um, change things if we want um, a better society a better planet for all of us to live. So please register if you haven't already. And as I've said in weeks past, uh, consider if you have the means to contribute to organizations like the ACLU, which are trying to protect our right to vote and get people out to the polls, and certainly to Black Lives Matter, and to look up that organization and to see the different ways you can contribute there and be part of the solution rather than a part of the problem. Um, that's the that's the heavy stuff. Uh, not to say a conversation about like, Magnolia is all light, but uh, at least it's just talking about movies, which can be, um, at least for me, a source of light in the universe. I uh, hope, you, hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Zachary Quinto, one of my favorites. And uh, as always, remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy, Sick, and Fuse. Spread the good word. We have some awesome returning guests coming up you're going to be very excited about. Some new folks, too. And, um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Zach. to start these conversations Zach like what's the what's the way to like how you doing doesn't feel right in these times does it
1: no it certainly doesn't um, extraordinary times we're living through right now but I see you
0: have a a, a cozy dog in the background I can see I that I do have a cozy dog in the
1: background hey buddy <laughs> hey buddy. look over there <laughs> We talk about he's doing well i mean there's great comfort in animals surely he's chilling you know i think it's yeah it's um, look these times are troubled they're exhilarating they're you know challenging but also there's a lot of opportunity in them and i think the more we can recognize all that and stay engaged and figure out ways to support um, these communities that are rising up and demanding to be acknowledged and supported and heard in different ways is, it's, it's long overdue. That's so I was really, I was really thrilled um,
0: when I heard your pick for your comfort movie today um, there. I've gotten all sorts of different kind of comfort movies, whether they've been kind of like, you know, silly nineties comedies or, or, um, yeah, you know, your buddy Simon Pegg, of course, picked a George uh, Romero uh, Day of the Dead movie. Um, mm-hmm. And you went with one of my all-time favorites, and I would consider it a comfort movie. Um, let's get to it. Why don't you reveal what your
1: comfort movie is and why? Yeah, sure. My comfort movie is Magnolia by um, the inimitable Paul Thomas Anderson. Um yeah, I mean, comfort is interesting in terms of, you know, it's not, uh, it's, I wouldn't call it a feel good, upbeat, rambunctious comedy by any means, but I take comfort in it because of the brilliance of the work. Um, for me, it's comforting to just be so inspired. Um, he's one of my favorite filmmakers. That to me is, it's absolutely in my top three favorite movies of all time. Um, the craft, the artistry, the technique, the narrative, the pacing, the camera work, the acting, all of it. it's just and it holds up. I just watched it again, which is why I chose it. Um, you know, it's it's 20 years old plus, and it's it still just crackles and you know, Julianne Moore, Tom Cruise doing, I, I think arguably the best work of his career, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, Jason Robards, Philip Baker Hall, Melinda Dillon, Melora Walter. I mean, <laughs> it's like the the list goes on of John C. Riley. Um, I just can't get enough of what it evokes in me, just as a, as a, as a film, just as a
0: you know you've given yeah you've you've selected one that's that's easy to talk to because there are a thousand different tangents mm. we can go on because there's so many mm-hmm. storylines and great performances and the music and the, the film filmmaking there's, it, it's that's
1: just like amy man yeah i mean yeah, yeah.
0: There, so there's, there's a lot of directions we can go first i want to get some basics out for the uninitiated if you sadly somehow avoided oh. this movie um came out as you said at the end of 1999 one of the great years in film yeah. history yeah. uh december 17th um this was paul thomas anderson's third film he was 29 mm-hmm. years
1: old jesus that's crazy i didn't didn't think about that yeah 29 holy shit
0: (laughs) but it it has that kind of youthful like it's a huge swing right it's just like a big goddamn swing he went for like he he was coming off of boogie nights and was and and had this juice and what he said you know and i went back and read up on it a bit and re-familiarized and watched it again, is he had like, New Wine basically was like, do what you want to do as your next film. And Mm -hmm. initially he just wanted to do like a small thing and just bang out a quick thing. And it Mm -hmm. just kept getting bigger and bigger. They gave him final cut. They basically gave him like a certain amount of money and said, go do your thing. And this is what came out. Um, We're about the same age. So I saw this, I was on my first job at all places. I was working at Charlie Rose, Paul Thomas Anderson, came to the show to promote Magnolia and I'll never forget it. Um, where were you at when, when this came?
1: Uh, I had just graduated, um, college. Um, so I had just moved to, I was here, I was in LA. Um, and, uh, and saw, I remember taking myself to the theater to see it alone. Um, and just being absolutely staggered by what a journey it took me on. Um, yeah, I mean, I was already a huge fan of his and uh, and this just sort of, for me, kind of, it's just so, you know, what he does both narratively and also cinematically, I think the juxtaposition of these two things, this this deeply complex interwoven narrative of these characters that all relate to one another in, in, in unexpected ways, and then the pacing of the film, I mean, just the camera work alone um, is, is so... Um, it just, you know, it just moves in this way that you can't really, I don't know, it's it's unlike uh, anything, you know. Yeah, well, when I watch it again, I don't know about you, like, and I've seen
0: it a bunch of times, but it kind of goes in waves, right? It kind mm-hmm. of, like, crescendos and then kind of comes down, and then, like, it builds again to, like, this kind of, like, apex, like, four or five times in the, in the film, and these kind of, like... Um, set pieces for lack of a better word. You, know, you think of a set piece in like an action film, but like I, I think of like a set piece uh, here for like when they all break out into song or the frogs come mm-hmm. um, and, and the film begins with like two kind of back to back amazing sequences. You have the Ricky J narration, yeah. um, setting up these kind of world of coincidence, coincidences. And then it's that Amy Mann song kicks in with like an introduction to this Crazy assemblage of characters, yeah. um, and it
1: st- sort of announces itself, right? Everybody is at a moment of kind of panic in their lives, and in, in some of it is quiet panic, and some of it is frenetic panic. But you know, you meet them in in, in this with this swift energy, and uh, everybody's moving at a clip, right? Um, and yeah, and that, that to me is even down to like at, at Jason Robards, you know, who's done, was that, that was his last movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know he's dying in the living room in a hospital bed of his home, and um, you know his his totally Julianne Moore in that movie. My God. <laughs> Like you know, she, uh, the, her energy, but like they have all these dogs. They have like five dogs, you know, and just like chaos. It's it's just there's no stone left unturned in terms of human nature and the expression of who these characters are. It's also completely fully explored. Um, yeah, it's it's um,
0: loosely, I mean, at least partially loosely based on. I guess Paul Thomas Anderson's dad had passed away pretty recently um, and suffered from cancer, and it, it's it feels like an intensely personal film uh, yet on this kind of giant canvas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's just start go through some of the, some of the performances and some of the, uh, the storylines, cause they, they are, they're all worthy of time. You mentioned Tom Cruise. I agree. I think this is like as good as Tom Cruise has ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of capitalized on one thing he's really good at. Like he's obviously so charming, but he kind of is good as he kind of has like a sleazy charm <laughs> when he turns it on. And as Frank TJ Mackey, um, it's like all surface. He's hiding so much, and he's just doing everything he can to bury his past until he, he reaches a breaking point. It's it's just a hell of a performance.
1: I mean, he has this reputation, doesn't he? And I think it's 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 diminished slightly over the years now that he's entered a, a different phase of his life and his career. But there, this charisma that he embodies and that he exudes um, as a movie star, and we've seen examples of it sort of being. Um, Um, dissected or kind of examined or raked through the coals in certain ways. You know, I think of that moment uh, on Oprah and the jumping on the couch kind of thing where it's like this very performative, presentational um, quality um, that he leaned into, certainly in his youth as a movie star. um, and, and and Frank T.J. Mackey embodies that in, like, the most kind of this search and destroy, sleazy, you know, conquer all the women kind of way. But directly under that is all of the trauma and vulnerability that triggers someone to adopt such an aggressive and outward-facing um, um, personality. And, and we get to see that journey. We get to see the veneer crack and fall away as he... Um, you know, first gets called out by, um, I meant to look at, what's the actress, April? I'm going to look April. it up myself because she's amazing you know, in it. She's incredible in that film, in that role. I think her name is April.
0: I mean, he does so much in that, in that, it's just, it basically the extended, this extended interview portion where, um, and he does a lot, like, by saying nothing. Like, he's nothing. just reacting to they her. They both
1: do. Yeah. They both do. Um, it's this, it's this total confrontation where this guy who's used to manipulating and steamrolling his way into the psyches of all the people that he's trying to, to, to transform, um, gets totally and systematically dismantled by this woman who just holds her ground and, and has his number and knows that he's full of shit and basically calls him out on it to his face. And he's never had that experience. And, and especially from a woman. Yes. And so that dynamic is also really, um, Juicy in that in that exchange, but they're both. So you have her name, April. Yes, it's April Grace, and
0: yes, April mad Grace. props to her because she's amazing, unbelievable. At it. Um, yeah, there's that line. He's um he's falls silent, and she's just like picking him apart, and he just says, "I'm silently judging you." Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> it's chilling but amazing.
1: And then that, and then it carries into you know, the decision he makes to go when uh, when Phil calls him and and tells him about his dad. You know, he goes and has this incredibly incredibly heart-rending moment of confrontation with his dying father who's so, you know, out of his mind on morphine that he's not even conscious but you know yeah. he gets the opportunity to confront the the father figure in his life and it feels um, it feels really powerful
0: it's a crazy moment also just to i mean you know we won't make this all about cruise but like that was the same year he was in eyes wide shut so he was just and he had would come off mission impossible he shot mm-hmm. eyes wide shut famously for like two years he's in london mm-hmm. with stanley kubrick mm-hmm. and then does this and he was just arguably i think the most creative interesting Section yeah, of his it, was, career.
1: it was a good vintage cruise. Exactly.
0: Um, well, let's just segue into, I mean, I think also Philip Seymour Hoffman, mm. who we can't say Ugh. enough about generally. But um, again, you know, he was obviously one of Paul's close friends and used them sure. frequently in in Heart 8 and Boogie Nights, but in such a different effect. He's so um, endearing in this film. He's like the ultimate caretaker and sweet and... and um, Quiet, Yes, and I don't think it's a surprise that he apparently he wrote this for Philip Seymour Hoffman and wrote it at like it's it's a, supposedly to hear Paul Thomas Anderson say it. It was the role closest to Phil, and that's why his name is
1: mm-hmm. Phil in the movie. Yeah, um, and that's that's pretty that's sweet. I mean, yeah, it's just so um, yeah. I mean, it is he was he was an unmitigated genius, and um, and this showcases that in such a way. His his skill. Such precise work without having the faintest whiff of work is just uh, unparalleled yeah. and, yeah. and effortless. And, and his ability to occupy this space and this physicality—you know—when when, when Frank D. D. Mackey shows up and he's there and and he needs to kind of manage the situation the way he does that physically or when he's when he's ordering from pink dot which i just love that i detail, love that scene <laughs> dot, and, and he's ordering all this stuff and the the culmination of the orders he has to order these porn magazines get the number for search and destroy to like start the conversation to try to get in touch with frank TJ Mackey, and like the way he embodies the embarrassment of asking for those things as part of the order is just so endearing like you said and so um so heartfelt he was, yeah, he was real the, um, beautiful the, huh? the, yeah there's such humanity in all his all his
0: performances yeah the woman on the other end of the line it's like do you still want the bread and the and the <laughs> and he's like yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. of course <laughs> Um you mentioned Julianne Moore who like you know it's fascinating again watching it again the other day it's kind of like a series of escalating meltdowns yeah. that like in the wrong hands could feel like oh god this person
1: is so overacting and it's yeah, just like yeah, it's, yeah, no, but she, it's just mesmerizing what she yeah. does she she the desperation the fear the anxiety the 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 addiction you know that quality of you know, like, you know, and, and the confrontations, like you're saying with the pharmacist, you could come in here, you call me late. Like it's, it's so dramatic. And so, but like, but never, t- never crosses a line. It's always so rooted. And so, and with the lawyer, you know, and she's just, just golden. And then, and then, you know, the the decision she makes in the car before the song to take all the pills. I mean, she just, the tragedy of her is so real and the, and the, the panic, the panic of losing this lifeline, you know this this um, this uh, relationship that she's relied on for everything, clearly, you know, for material comfort, for identity, you know what's she gonna do and um, it's clearly that it's clear that her her that character is built on a house of cards and that there's no right there's no substance underneath it. And and she does that so expertly in that moment. So you often hear about like, you know, um, directors
0: that are actors, directors, right? And like, certainly Paul Thomas Anderson would seem to be that. What Mm -hmm. does that mean in practice for you is there well have you watched the
1: documentary i just wa- I watched it the other day yeah yeah it's called the moment um and i remember stumbling onto that years ago and it's about an hour long documentary about the making of the film um and it's just so delicious to watch you know to really see the process that um that led to this outcome and to you know, you watch him working with Philip Baker Hall and Melinda Dillon. Um, you, the, the, the crew really kind of captures Julianne Moore in moments of learning the song in Video Village or sort of being explained, like you really see his style of communication with his actors. And so you really know exactly what it means to be an actor's director, creating an environment in which actors feel empowered, they feel um, heard, they feel valued. Um, you know that it's a real collaboration. You see this great kind of interaction with him and and Phil Hoffman, where he's kind of taking the piss, and you know they they clearly have this really sound um, creative relationship on which this whole um, you know character is built for Philip Seymour Hoffman. And so I, I would just encourage anybody that wants to know what it means to be an actor's director to watch that on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and you also see him as a as a pretty young. You know now I know a twenty nine year old um, you know pretty confident uh you know some might say precocious director filmmaker you know up tour but but the thing about him is to me he's never once fallen short of that you know assignation he's never once you know um, in any of his movies not delivered and uh, and for me that's that you know, that's great i' i I'd be really interested i've never met him. I'd be so interested to you know to 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 get his point of view now that I'm sure he's mellowed a bit and you know yes, uh, yes. he's uh he, there's I tell- i don't know, you know
0: uh, he he did a, a podcast yeah. interview with mark a Maron. And- times over and like you know just sort of has a different yeah. Say it again. Sorry, Sorry, we were a, a crossing paths on on the audio stream. Um, he did a great interview with Mark marin that's, oh, that's pretty yeah. revealing. That yeah. Um, because yeah, that. he's kind of like as you I mean, you've seen you've seen the doc. Like he's you know very confident, but also very easygoing. Yeah, kind of like very affable and just charming. I saw him at a Q and A here in New York like a couple years ago after Jonathan Demi passed. Mm. They did um, a screening of um, something wild. Uh, okay. And he he came out to to talk about that, and he's just like the sweetest guy. What's your what's your PTA Mount Rushmore? He's made nine films. What are the like top three?
1: Boogie Nights. Um, I mean Magnolia top for me. Boogie Nights. Um,
0: Where are you stand on the master? I feel like divides people. The master and right? the master and inherent vice both I think divide people. Where are you on those?
1: Yeah, they're not ones I've revisited, I'll say that. Fair enough, yeah. Um, I've revisited all the three I've mentioned. So what do we have? We have Inherent Vice, Punch Drunk Love, The Master, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, um, Heart yeah. 8. Heart 8, Phantom Thread most recently. Phantom, oh yeah, I said Invisible Thread, Phantom Thread.
0: And then two more. Um Hard Eight, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, A Punch Drunk, There Will right. Be Blood. How could we forget There'll There be will blood. be Blood? Oh right, shit. Jesus. <laughs> His other kind of what like massive father-son story. Yeah. 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 They're they're all worthy of <laughs> lots of um discussion. Um I need to go back to I haven't seen Heart Eight uh probably in 20 years. So I need to yeah. go back to that one. I haven't um, seen that in a while either. He he was clearly influenced by Robert Altman. Uh-huh. Um mm-hmm. He he famously was kind of like Altman's backup director on the set of Prairie Home Companion. Mm-hmm. He was like on the set, kind of like the insurance policy. Yeah, um, is that have you have any of your films kind of been shot in? Have that Altman PTA feel to them? Like, have do any of them kind of approximate what they go well, for?
1: I think Margin Call, in a way, had yeah. a bit of a, had a bit of a the, the the way we shot that movie was. You know, I mean, it's difficult to, to compare experiences when I didn't have an experience on any of these movies. But, you know, I mean, there was a certainly a kind of really grounded, rooted, organic unfolding of that narrative and how we captured it. Um, and that was a good experience. But I think that's probably the thing that would come closest to this style. What about we, we we alluded to the
0: music a little bit? Let's talk a little bit more mm-hmm. because both John Bryan's score and Amy sure. Mann's uh, soundtrack. Um, you know, Paul was listening to Amy Mann, he was inspired by her, her words, her music. Um again, it's just it's almost plays like a musical at times, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. I mean the, the characters do break out into song at one point.
1: Mm-hmm. Um does that elevate this film to some special heights for you? I think the uniformity of Amy Mann's presence in the film is really um, special and um, and gives it a kind of relatability and a dimension that it sustains throughout three hours of the movie. Um, you know, the idea that there's this kind of shift between like like that Melora Walters listening to Amy Mann when John C. Riley first comes and pounds on her door and his whole thing is you got to turn down your music and it happens to be that music that then threads back in the film later when they all break out into that song i think the kind of seamlessness with which he wove in her presence to the movie is incredibly unique and um and and really does set this pro this 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 piece of art apart you know yeah and then john bryan who's yeah of course just a, a musical genius is um enhances it all. And and I'm sure probably had something to do with those choices and the way that you could compose a score for this movie that that um, that keeps uh, Amy Mann's presence throughout. If you're reading a script like this, could you
0: imagine coming to the to to the scene where the frogs descend from the sky? (laughs) Like what would what would I mean, I guess you trust in PTA. I mean, it's it's again another big swing that in the hands of many filmmakers would not work and somehow he, he makes it work. He really
1: does. I mean, it certainly is the moment that just like crosses the finally crosses this. The, 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 there's this tension that builds throughout the film. Um, and then to cross into this surrealistic, kind of, you know, uh, absurd. Um, thing, which which I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and apparently that's a phenomenon that, that can happen. Right, and, I've heard that, yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. So that it's not something that entirely is, like, you know, um, outside of the realm of possibility. I mean, it's obviously an incredibly rare phenomenon, but um, I, I guess it's usually uh, associated with, like, water spouts, sort of these, these weather phenomenon that can scoop up huge amounts of water from from lakes or ponds and, and with them all of the aquatic life that's in that water and then take them up and then just drop them on wherever, you know? So it does feel like once I learned that it it contextualized it a little bit more for me that in a way that made it um, plausible. But I think thematically what it represents in this movie is this kind of like this force that's so much bigger than all of these individual lives and all of these, the nature of um, the interconnectivity of all of the characters. And it's, it's a, it's a unifying um, catastrophe, isn't it? It's, it's something that levels the playing field for everybody involved. And you see the way that um, the majority of the characters in the film are forced to deal with this, um, you know, an un, un, unbelievable phenomenon that's happening and, and what it does to all of them. So I think that's really interesting. Um,
0: I want to mention, again, for those that, that haven't seen it or want to see it again, um, I watched it on iTunes. It's available on Amazon. You know, you can see it a number of different ways. And yeah, the the documentary is great. I think I watched that way back when, when I had the DVD and um, I was on Twitter saying I was watching Magnolia and I don't know if you know Max Minghella actually was like, watch the documentary. And I was like, okay, perfect. Um, so that's oh. Yeah, that's that's one of the, uh, I mean, I'm a sucker for a great um, candid doc, and those things are sadly not uh, made yeah. that much nowadays. Um, three Oscar nominations, supporting actor for Tom Cruise, screenplay, best song for Save Me. Um, I'm trying to think of the other actors that we should just mention quickly. Philip Baker Hall is fantastic. Um, William H. Macy is quiz, quiz kid Donnie Smith. Yeah. Um, and Robards, as you said, Robards, um, his final performance, he had just gone through about with cancer and yeah. sadly died the next year of cancer. Um, and yeah, in that doc talks about like mm-hmm. kind of calling upon, he thought he wasn't sure he was going to make it. And yeah.
1: that's clearly all there. Yeah. Um, you see all of that. His, his, his ability and willingness to confront his own mortality and that performance is what makes it so rich and heartbreaking. Um, Yeah. He does beautiful beautiful, simple, powerful
0: work in that in that movie let's give some arbitrary awards. who gets the best performance in the that award? film? yeah
1: i I just simply don't think you can single one person out I really just don't i mean it's it's everybody across the board is stellar I, 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 I don't even know where I would start to say because each of them brings such a color and a quality that without which the film wouldn't wouldn't succeed the way it does so yeah. I, I abstain <laughs> do you have a favorite scene we've talked about many of them is there one that, that just is perfection to you um oh. i mean you, then you add into it like all of the 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 energy that he captures of the of the quiz show that they're filming on the soundstage with felicity huffman and like all of that energy and that camera work. I mean, I think technically that stuff is the, it's not the most emotional or the most necessarily impactful part of the movie, but from a technical standpoint, all of those tracking shots and those like long, continuous, um, uninterrupted, um, steadicam walking through the studio and capturing the energy of the audience. And, um, you know, the other contestants and all of that is just so mind blowing. When I watched it again, I was like, God man, like <laughs> the, and the intensity of that. Um, but I think you know. I think a lot of the stuff, the most emotional stuff for me is the Phil Seymour Hoffman, Robards, Tom Cruise, yeah, story, Julianne Moore, like in the pharmacy and in the lawyer's office, is great, sort of deliciousness. But um, yeah, I mean, I just I, the, the reason I love it so much is for its uniformity. It's not yeah. really so easy to pick out one one thing, but I feel um, I feel like the, on a the whole, it just exists in this kind of place that for me has has really not been rivaled by um by by any film since then. Yeah. I, mean, I I often ask
0: um who I'm talking to about the movie that they're we're talking about like a, a quotable line. And yeah, I think about the Julianne Moore, the um the uh, the final confrontation she has with uh her or the the breakdown with her attorney and the the, the, the shut the fuck up. I need you to really shut the fuck, up. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, Completely
1: um,
0: um is uh, is there? Okay, here's a good one. Wait. So they're they're remaking the film. They're obviously never going to remake the film. But what's what's the role you want? What's the role that you'd want to crack at? Hmm. Probably Phil. So. That's what I was going to vote for. I could see you in that role.
1: That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's playtime for these guys. Uh, I think that the the kind of quiet intensity and the depth of that character, and his compassion, and his the the sort of bumbling humor of him, I think are all qualities that I feel drawn to and uh, and would be interested in. I, I there's no world in which I would ever even begin to rival the integrity of Philip Seymour Hoffman in that role, so I'd, I'd obviously never. Uh, I'd never endeavor it, even if given the opportunity. But, uh, but yeah, just emotionally, I think that's really where my, where my heart and my 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 acting spirit would take me. And finally,
0: I often like to program a double feature for the audience. Now, this one's 188 minutes. So I don't. Yeah, I
1: you're know. not you're not watching two movies this <laughs> night. So
0: I but know. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have a good vote except to say. As you saw in the doc, he he screen network for his yeah. cast, so yeah. maybe maybe there's something there. Sure,
1: go with his go go with his recommendation. I don't think you could go wrong with that. Trust. But me, I also think here. like if you're if you're looking in the in the breadth of his work, you know, it would be so interesting for me to watch Magnolia and then watch Phantom Thread and yeah. see the evolution in the process and see the similarities and see the differences. And they you know like it's it's such a different kind of movie. I'd be kind of interested to watch them. In close proximity, maybe maybe a double feature one night and then the next night.
0: Um, well, as I said, I, this 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 is one of my all time favorites. When you, when I got the email that you wanted to talk about this one, I looked at my my shelf and I found this. The audience can't see, it, but my Magnolia shooting script that I've had for twenty years. Um, so, so it's a film.
1: Can you see it here? Oh great! Yeah, that's this, okay. this is this is actually
0: autographed by PTA when he came to wow, Charlie Rose.
1: You, <laughs> you know, you're no know That's amazing.
0: Uh, so yeah, so I got I got super excited. I know you always have good taste, and you did not disappoint this time, Zach. Good,
1: um, share my enthusiasm for this one. Yes, good call. Um,
0: I hope you stay safe and sane, and. Uh, you know, I hope we can catch up in, in more normal ish times. I don't know when yeah. that's
1: coming, but hopefully soon. Thank you. You too. Yeah, it's good to good to connect in the midst of everything and talk about things that inspire us. And yeah. you know, art is a great unifier and we're, you know, we're lucky to have these examples of work to to keep us um, connected and to keep us instilled with faith in what we what we're capable of and uh so yeah i appreciate the chance to chat as always and sure we'll do it again soon definitely thanks buddy and so ends another
0: edition of happy sad confused remember to review rate and subscribe to this show on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts i'm a big podcast person i'm Daisy
1: ridley and i definitely wasn't pressured to do this by josh